The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 318, powered by RageWorks, broadcasting live Thursday, October 1st, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show where I give my take on MMA, wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our MMA and wrestling edition airs every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Our gaming and entertainment edition airs every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. You can watch live broadcasts via mtrlive.com, which is going to give you a live audio and video feed plus the chat. You can also watch our video simulcasts on Twitch TV, Vaughn Live, Stream Up, and YouTube Live as well. So if you're using a YouTube app and you're subscribed to the RageWorks YouTube channel, you can watch the show live that way. Or if you're using... A console, either Xbox or PlayStation, you can watch via the Twitch app and watch the show live that way as well. Archived episodes of the show are always available within 24 to 48 hours. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video archives, of course, go on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official RageWorks. We also are uploading our episodes to Daily Motion, so if you are a daily motion user, you'll be able to access the show that way as well. For those of you that tried to tune in last week, as many of you know, if you've been following on social media, you know that our sound card decided to take a massive dump uh, last Thursday and it pretty much derailed the show. And because of that, we had to obviously go make some replacements, make some adjustments, but we got everything up and running. Last night's MMA and wrestling show uh, sounded great video was solid and our guest pat barry uh definitely delivered a very unique and insightful interview those of you that have reached out uh with your compliments and stating how much you enjoyed it i appreciate it thank you very much um one of the things we were unable to do last week was announce the winner of this our guardians of the galaxy box set but i did throw all the entrants into our random name selector and the winner is Branwin Kimball. 
who entered via our Facebook fan page. So, Branwyn, if you are listening to tonight's show, send me your full address and we will send this right out to you. I will also be posting a video on our Facebook fan page later this evening, announcing the winner there as well and making sure that we get all the information to send your prize out. Now that we have that out of the way, we can focus on some of the other stuff that we're going to be working on throughout the month of October. And with that, I do want to let you guys know about a couple of schedule changes. Uh, Next Wednesday, October 7th, there will not be an MMA and wrestling show because we will be working an event. Well, at least let me rephrase that. I will be working an event that evening, which will definitely prohibit me from making it back in time to prepare effectively to give you guys a solid show. There is going to be a new contest more more than likely next week for a game. Uh, I will be collaborating with Slick to get all the rules in place to launch that, so definitely keep it locked to RageWorks.net for that. The other schedule change will be October 15th. The following Thursday, I will be at the Get Geeked event for the second time, and we will be doing some interviews and some stuff on location. We're also going to try and do some Periscope stuff, so if you are following us on Periscope, definitely keep an eye out for that because we will be doing that throughout the evening as well as trying to get some other stuff out there throughout the evening as well. But um, those are our two schedule changes. There will be no MMA and wrestling next Wednesday. There will be a gaming and entertainment show on Thursday. And then the following week, it will be an MMA and wrestling show, but no gaming and entertainment show due to our coverage of the Get Geeked event. So keep it locked to RageWorks.net for all that coverage. We're also going to be covering the Photo Plus Expo at the end of the month as well. So if you are a shutterbug and are always looking for the latest and greatest in photography or videography tools... We were gonna we're gonna definitely be showing you guys a lot of awesome stuff every time we cover the photo plus expo it's almost a, it's almost a guarantee that I'm gonna either walk out of there wanting to buy some new crazy piece of hardware or I'm gonna end up finding something that we're gonna want to integrate into the show uh, one of the things that happened not last year but the year prior was the Sony rx10 which at that time was being announced and I actually replaced my regular Sony rig and all my lenses with the RX 10. Since then, obviously a new version of the camera has come out and um, I definitely have my eye on it, of course, but nonetheless, that is our event schedule for the month of October. Uh, We are going to do some stuff in November as well. Just trying to iron out a couple of details. Uh, We will not be at New York comic con next week. But we are definitely going to have content and coverage from the show floor because you don't necessarily need to be there to get all the cool shit. But we're going to definitely be sharing a lot of stuff next week as well. We actually posted our schedule uh, from our friends at Dark Horse. They actually were kind enough to share their signing schedule and panel schedule. So if you are a Dark Horse fan and have any books you want signed, definitely head over to RageWorks.net and check out their schedule best part is any of the books that you're getting signed there will be no charge for autographs plus you can have your own your own books and your own collectibles signed as well definitely a very cool gesture on the part of dark horse because one of the things that a lot of people 
that attend Comic-Con usually complain to me about is that by the time you go in there and you spend your money to buy merch, you end up spending a, a, a pretty solid chunk of change on autographs as well. But our, like I said, our friends at Dark Horse are doing something different and you will not have to pay for any autographs for any of the stuff you're getting signed. I'm sure they will limit you on items you're getting signed, but aside from that, everything else will be free. So definitely a huge gesture on the part of our friends at Dark Horse. Also, for those of you that were keeping an eye on the site for the Zangief Street Fighter V announcement, we finally got it about two hours ago. Um, of course, it made its way through the tubes, so we will be sharing uh, high-resolution screenshots, video, and everything else after tonight's show, so you guys can check it out on the site as well. All right, so since we missed last week's gaming and entertainment show, we do have a couple of things from last week that we do want to get into. We are also going to discuss the week's gaming news, of course. We're going to get into what's going on on the entertainment front. There is going to be some Marvel stuff in there. We're going to talk about the box office numbers and a couple of other things. And as always, I will take your calls, 347-324-3541. Again, that call in number, 347-324-3541. You can also participate via the chat on mtrlive.com. With the housekeeping out of the way, let's get the ball rolling and jump into this week's gaming news, shall we? So there's a there's a lot of frustration in the industry this week, uh, both from retailers and even from those in the gaming press, just because there have been a, an immense amount of delays being announced for a lot of titles people are keeping an eye on. And also there have been a lot of different omissions from upcoming games that people are going to be a little upset about and are definitely going to question what developers are doing. We're definitely going to get into that. But I want to start off with Nintendo that actually posted a statement on their Facebook page from Shigeru Miyamoto stating that Star Fox Zero is being delayed till 2016. Of course, many people were very excited when Star Fox was announced and were looking forward to getting their hands on it this year. But unfortunately, it has been delayed until 2016. Now, I'm not surprised about this only because it's one of those things where Nintendo has so many. I want to say Nintendo has a lot of balls in the air or is juggling a lot of properties. And while the announcement from for Star Fox did get a lot of buzz, I felt that the game definitely from the demo that they showed still had a, you know, a ways to go before being ready for the general release. Now I will say this, I'd rather they delay the game and focus on making and providing a better experience, a more quality experience instead of just, you know, pulling the trigger and giving us either an incomplete or a broken game. Plenty of companies are doing that as it is and are using the disguise of DLC to obviously get people to just crank more money into certain titles. We're not going to name names, but you guys know the deal and you guys know which titles are guilty of that. But if you were expecting to get your hands on Star Fox Zero in 2015, unfortunately, you guys will have to wait till next year. Um, All signs point to it being released during the first quarter of 2016. So 
If once we get an official date, we'll, of course, make sure to report it here for you guys. Another game, and this one was one that really bummed me out when I heard the news that is getting delayed, is the brand new Hitman game, which originally was scheduled to drop on December 8th. Square Enix announced that instead the game will now be released in March 2016. Once again, one of those situations where it's it's upsetting and it bums me out, but I'm willing to accept it if the game, if the improvements that they're talking about making to the game are genuine improvements and not just, you know, bullshit that is fluff to delay the game into an area where they can make a little bit more profit. Because we have seen that as well, where games are moved into certain portions of the year where there is not as much competition. As many of you know, the gaming season from honestly starting now in October through November and December is just a crazy, crazy time for gamers because besides all the usual sports games that we've been getting between Madden and NBA Live and 2K16 and FIFA, we're also getting a lot of titles which many people are are pumped for. Obviously, the Nathan Drake Collection, brand new Halo, etc., etc. So to drop a game that has not a spotty track record, but a track record that isn't exactly setting, you know, setting the web ablaze, I can see the apprehension, but like anything else, if you are doing it for that reason and aren't doing it to improve certain facets of the game, if the game does turn out to be shit and people clown the game, you definitely should not be shocked. So there you have it. Hitman moves to March 2016 from a December 8th release date. Now, next week when we um, postpone the Wednesday show, it is because I will be visiting EA once again next week, hopefully being able to get some hands-on time with some of their upcoming titles. Of course, the big one for me, Star Wars Battlefront, which for those of you that have been keeping an eye on the beta, you'll be pleased to know that you'll be able to get your hands in the, uh, well, let me rephrase that. You'll be able to get into the beta starting October 8th on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC through Origin. The beta will last from October 8th through October 12th. The game officially hits stores November 17th. The beta will include three modes at the ready, including a Walker Assault on Hoth. You're also going to have a drop zone on Sullust and a survival mission on Tatooine. So you're going to get three different beta, three different stages to enjoy for that very, very small window of time. I will say that the last time we visited with EA and we did get some hands-on time with Star Wars Battlefront, we really were impressed with what we saw, especially the amount of action on screen and how it really just kept the pace of the game moving at a very, very fluid, fluid pace. And that's one of the things that many people have talked about in games that have a lot going on. You do see some, I don't want to say degradation in terms of the speed, but there are some games, and it's been a while since I've experienced it, but when there's a lot of of characters on screen, you do lose a little bit either in terms of frame rate or something else for that matter. Now, again, with the amount of bots that were on the field when we were playing it, myself and Danny from Royal Flush Magazine got some hands-on time with it, and it was very fluid. We even did a little co-op play as well. And again, 
just uh, ships and walkers and countless um, empire troopers all over the place. It was it was crazy. And the game not only moved at a brisk and fast pace, but the graphics were incredibly sharp and extremely detailed. So for those of you that are looking forward to Star Wars Battlefront, make sure to keep an eye out for the beta when it goes live on October 8th. Now, of course, it being October and the first of the month, you know that we're going to get brand new free titles on both Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus. Well, if you're an Xbox Live Gold member, you're going to get the following titles. You're going to get, for Xbox One, you're going to have Valiant Hearts The Great War, which is going to be available throughout October. It will also be joined by the first season of The Walking Dead, which goes live on October 16th. And um, you'll be able to download that game from October 16th to November 15th. You're also getting Metal Gear 5's Prologue Ground Zeroes for free from October 1st through the 15th. That will be available on the Xbox 360. And after that, of course, you'll be able to enjoy the first season of The Walking Dead. But you're actually going to have a shorter window with that game on the 360 as it goes live on October 15th. And you'll only be able to play it through October 31st on Halloween. But again, it's one of those things where they're slowly just moving away and gradually nudging you to the, you know, the, the current generation of consoles. Now, the cool thing is all games that you download from the games with gold um, Xbox Live promotion in October will be backwards compatible with the Xbox One. Of course, the backwards compatibility was scheduled to go live in November, but there have been reports that are saying that the games for October will have backwards compatibility. I will be testing out that theory and seeing if that is the case with some of the new stuff that drops in October. Now on the PlayStation side, we, you know, we're getting a couple of decent titles there as well. Um, I will say that for me personally, I think that PlayStation plus will definitely deliver the goods for the month of October because there's really a solid amount of titles there. You're getting, of course, the always enjoyable Super Meat Boy. You're unfortunately going to lose Drive Club, the PS Plus edition. They'll be removing that on October 6th. But the other games that you're going to have available, as I said, are Super Meat Boy, which will be available on the PlayStation 4 and PS Vita, the Broken Age, which will be available on PS4 and PS Vita, Unmechanical Extended, which will be available on PS4 and PS3. Kick Beat, which will be available on the Vita and the PlayStation 3. Kung Fu Rabbit, which will be available on the Vita and the PS3. And Chariot, which will be available on the PS3 as well. So definitely a solid month for both Xbox Live Gold members and PlayStation Plus owners as well. Now, as I mentioned before we went live... One of the crazy things that I got to report is what I heard about Call of Duty Black Ops 3 recently. Activision has announced that the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 versions of Call of Duty Black Ops 3 will not have the 1-4 to four player co-op campaign mode. The games will be available at a reduced price of $49.99 and will include an original download for the original Black Ops title. That alone, my friends, is going to probably dissuade a lot of console owners that have been holding out 
in picking up an Xbox One or a PlayStation 4. The PS4, Xbox One, and PC versions will arrive on November 6th, and those games, of course, will have all the bells and whistles that have been removed from the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 counterparts. Now, again, this is one of those situations where now that the Xbox One is receiving backwards compatibility, if you feel that you only have four or five titles on the Xbox 360 that are really keeping you on board, then by all means, I think, you know, you're definitely going to want to hold on to the system. But if you have stuff that you are aware is going to be backwards compatible, it might be time to make the switch, especially with so many attractive bundles that are going to be released this holiday season. It might be time to start exploring some of the new consoles. Me personally, since I'm still trying to complete a backlog of games on all my older systems and I have a launch PS3, I I personally will not be parting with my systems. Not only that, but I do like to stream some of that stuff when time permits. So hopefully once we um we definitely make the the jump to some new hardware that we'll be working on in the next couple of months, we'll be able to set up a constant streaming schedule to be able to deliver the goods for you guys. Now Slick mentioned to me in the chat that he says, you know, my problem is that there's still zero Xbox One exclusive games that interest me. And you know what? Slick you are not the only one that mentions that. Usually it's a matter of preference in terms of which system you're going to pick up. I know a couple of people that are just like me and end up picking up everything and then they just pick and choose which systems they want to play their games on. For instance, uh, the Batman game I picked up on the PlayStation 4 only because I've played every other Batman game on a PlayStation system, so I wanted to do that. I picked up Mad Max on the PlayStation 4 um, but I did pick up toy soldiers for the Xbox one. So again, it's, it's just a matter of, of picking and choosing which system is going to fulfill, you know, not only your needs in terms of just extra functions, but just has a catalog of games worth picking up. And I do agree with what slick says slick, uh, says in the chat, he doesn't want a $400 paperweight. And I agree. I mean, I fell into that rut with the original Wii console where I picked it up and I played a handful of games. And then as the first party releases just came and and went and they were few and far between, I realized that the system was just collecting dust on a regular basis. So it was definitely time to part with that. It was one of the first times, you you know, where I actually parted with a system well before it was time to part with it. You know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't doing the job. And, um, the thing that gets me is that other people are falling into that rut as well, where they pick up a system and they haven't turned it on in in months only because there's just not a wealth of games on there. And to go back to what slick said, you really have to sit down and look at the catalog and ask yourself, are there at minimum at minimum? And I like, I like to use this number at minimum five games that you'd like to play on a specific console. Three to five titles. And the reason I say this is because at least if you have three titles and they're spaced reasonably apart, then you can enjoy each game at a, at a steady pace. Same thing, even, even with five titles, only because obviously interests are a factor there. You know, if you're a sports, if you're a sports fan, you know that in August you're getting Madden, in the fall you're getting basketball, in the spring you're getting baseball, etc. 
And, you know, that's that's pretty much how you want to space that. Unless, of course, you're you're a multi-genre gamer, then obviously you're going to have Call of Duty or Halo or whatever other game uh, tickles your fancy during that time. For me, picking up the Wii U, my my main driver for picking up the Wii U was Splatoon. And then afterwards, you know, obviously any of the Mario games that were released. I do want to play Bayonetta 2 at the recommendation of Slick. And um, that's actually on my queue to pick up either as a rental or as a game I want to play only because I thoroughly enjoyed the first Bayonetta game. So, you know, there's a decent amount of titles on the Wii U that definitely fall into the range. I said three to five titles that um, that made me want to pick the system up. And, you know, it's like everything else on the PlayStation 4. Now, if you haven't picked up or played, for instance, the the Drake games, the Uncharted games, uh, the collection that was recently released and remastered, I actually saw some video footage for it and it just looked beautiful. If this is a game that you haven't played or you just haven't gotten around to playing, then I, I really have to stress that that's definitely a game to pick up if you're a first time PS4 owner that has no experience with the Uncharted series because it truly does look impressive on the PlayStation 4. Of course, there are some other titles that definitely are going to fall under the recommendation category, and one of the things that we are going to be working on in the coming weeks, and I'm going to mention it here as well so everybody knows, is we're going to start putting together our holiday gift guide a little earlier this year because a lot of people were... Uh, reaching out and saying that they really appreciated that we gave a gift guide to wrestling fans, a gift guide to MMA fans, etc., etc. So we're going to try and do something uh, along those lines this year, except we're going to probably start building it a little earlier. I think last year uh, I, I really jumped in late to build our gift guides last year. So this year we're going to, uh, you know, pull a couple of, of our, our Rageworks staff and a couple of our partners and put together some really awesome gift guides for you guys. In addition to that, uh, we're definitely going to try and set up, and hopefully this is something we can we can do with relative ease. If we can get some promo codes for a couple of services that we recommend, we definitely are going to try our hardest to share that with you guys as well. So definitely want to get the ball, the ball rolling on the gift guide a little earlier this year. Now, Aside from Call of Duty Black Ops 3 losing some features, those of you that are looking forward to Rainbow Six Siege are going to be a little annoyed as well because unlike Black Ops 3, which is losing features on the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, Rainbow Six Siege will not feature a single-player campaign. It is actually going to use uh, the same strategy that Titanfall, Evolve, and even Star Wars Battlefront have used which is that you're going to have an offline mode and single-player combat, but you will not have a single-player campaign mode to play through. Now, for some people, this is, this is definitely hitting, you know, hitting them where... I don't want to say hitting them where it hurts, but it's definitely hitting them in a way that it knocks their anticipation down a peg because, yes, I, many of us love to go online and play multiplayer with our friends, but occasionally we want to jump in and play through the campaign and do it at our own pace and really learn the the ins and outs of the titles. And unfortunately, this seems to be a, a recurring theme where we are giving up 
the single player campaign and just jumping into uh, single player combat with bots and no story mode in particular. I remember Slick mentioned to me when Titanfall was about to be released that that was definitely something he personally was not a fan of. I remember that. And I think even for me, when I received my Xbox One, it came with Titanfall preloaded. And I played the game a handful of times. I want to say I played the game for about a month and a half, two months. And while it was fun to jump in and, and familiarize yourself with some of the aspects, some of the bigger aspects of the game, I really felt that a single player campaign would have just helped uh, just keep the game on my radar a little longer. But again, it's one of those things where if we don't speak up collectively, this is something that is definitely going to continue to happen. I'm going to bring Slick on board to help me out with some of the remaining headlines for the week, and I'm sure he's going to have some stuff to add as well. So let me cue him up and bring him in. Slick, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? Not too much. Everything is running on all cylinders. Audio is clear. Everything is good. What do you got for me this week? Uh, A couple of things. You know, today is the first day of October. And, uh, I mean, I said before that we had a pretty good summer as far as gaming. It wasn't a drought how we, you know, usually suffer. But things are definitely big this month. I mean, there's a lot of big titles coming out, depending upon... You know, like what your what your fancy is, or what consoles you have, things like that. I mean, um, a lot of PlayStation fans might be upset that even though there's a Fatal Frame game coming out this this uh, month, it's only for Wii U. Right. The um, the Just Dance crowd, of course, will be happy. I'm sure if anybody's going to Comic Con, they'll have a demo for that. But definitely that comes out October twentieth. And so does Guitar Hero, which I know a lot of people, for example, Danny is definitely looking forward to that. I agree. I mean, it's funny you mentioned Guitar Hero because I actually totally forgot about this. You know that I found, and I thought I had got rid of it and sold it, I found my DJ Hero Jay-Z Eminem Renegade Edition in the briefcase on the the other side of, of my house. And I was like, holy shit, I thought I got rid of this. And it just reminded me of how much fun those games were. Hopefully, Guitar Hero can capture that same level of enjoyment when it debuts now on the new systems. One game that's coming out next Tuesday that you're going to be shocked when I say this that I am not looking forward to Transformers. Is Transformers Devastation. I actually pre-ordered that. <laughs> I pre-ordered I that. Did, so. I mean, even even with the. Um, the the Best Buy discount that you and I have, right. which for us it'll only be forty bucks. It, it just seems I've seen enough of it to say that even at that low price, it needs to be less money because you only get five. You only get to play five Autobots. I've heard a lot of people mention online that they like at least the option, maybe as an unlockable thing after you beat the the campaign to play as Decepticon. I mean, I've seen a lot of, you know, famous uh, G1 Decepticons. I've seen, you know, obviously, the just for the title, you've seen Devastator. I've seen individual Constructicons. I've seen Bombshell and Kickback for the, the Insecticons, obviously. Right. Megatron. Um, 
I didn't see Skywalk, but I saw Thundercracker and Starscream in the right. game. I saw uh, Soundwave. Blitzwing. Soundwave. I mean, I was like, there's, there's so many Decepticons in the game, aside from the, the no-name drones they throw in there, and you can't play as any of them, and you can only play as five Autobots. I what? mean, honestly, as much as, like I said, as much as I'm a G1 fanatic, how many people really care about playing playing, playing as anyone other than Optimus and Grimlock? I, I can I can agree with that, and and you know what it is I I don't I don't totally disagree with your stance, but for me personally I there this is a twofold um, take from for yours truly. Number one, I, I'm I'm interested to see if departing from the typical you know War for Cybertron fall of cybertron style is more my cup of tea versus you know how those games played because those games i enjoyed them and you know you were able to play as autobots and decepticons and at at various points and it was a fun game i just felt that they kind of just put that they pigeonholed themselves a little bit with that series now going into the only thing i didn't like about those old games is that you ran out of ammo I can understand right. the weapons you pick up, you run out, but you ran out of ammo, ammo, <laughs> ammo on your basic weapon, and I was like, that made no sense, especially for Transformers. Right, but I, I think, I think in that in that respect, if they would have said, "Hey, I'm low on energon, or I need energon," it could have probably been mitigated a little bit. Again, that's just you know me, me throwing out something random now. With regards to to the new the new title Transformers Devastation, I feel you know I like the the animation style. I like just you know feeling uh, a, a kinship with just my childhood by by playing through that type of game. Now again, going back to what you said, I'm not I'm not dismissing your your concerns or your your gripes about the game. But for me personally, I felt I was going to say for me if I play through the game and I beat it and I can sell it within two weeks, and I get, whatever, 30 bucks for it, I don't feel terrible. You know what I mean? Because I got $30 of value out of it. Now, I'm not advocating that people use my approach, but for a game like that, if, if, if I can get, you know, half, you know, half my money's worth from it within a reasonable amount of time, then for me, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt me that much. And on top of that, I was, I was sold on the concept when it was announced. Now again, this is this is where I come from. For you, obviously, you you you've reached out to me off air, and you stated a lot of the stuff that you felt was wrong with the game. And again, totally legitimate, not not downplaying your concerns. But for me personally, I was like, "Fuck it," you know. I've played worse shit. I'll be honest, and I've played stuff that was overhyped and wasn't that good. This game, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go in with an open mind. The forty bucks isn't gonna kill me." And like I said, if I if I play it through in in two weeks and I sell it and I get it half price for it, you know, for me it's not it's not terrible. Oh, and I'm not trying to dissuade anybody because I mean, back in July, I bought the Godzilla game, but I mean, at least with the Godzilla game, was literally all you do is break shit. Yep, you had something like. 40 or 50 different monsters to choose from. Right. Which is crazy considering that in in, in Transformers mythology, there's a, an endless supply of great characters you can use. 
So I definitely can agree with that. I mean, again, there's a lot of there, the the information is very, very, I don't want to say very scarce with regards to this game. But what they're doing in, in terms of marketing and it's not the best thing is that you're just relying on the on the pure nostalgia to sell the game. And you and I both know that while nostalgia is great, nostalgia is not going to mask subpar gameplay or gameplay that just isn't enjoyable. So I could just as easily pick up that game Tuesday, throw it in my console Wednesday night, and go, holy shit, this plays like garbage. Could happen, you know? I doubt it'll play like garbage. It's just that the nostalgia will wear thin a lot, a lot more quickly than it should. Okay. I can understand it's, it's, that. It's made by Platinum Games, and Platinum Games makes some very good games. You mentioned one of them earlier, uh, Bayonetta. Yep. And um, it's just, I mean, at least, I say it should have had at least um, at least double the playable characters. And maybe, you know, I don't even want to say it because I hate when stuff like that gets thrown in as DLC. The option to play as, you know, a combiner. Yeah, I mean, that definitely would be, would be you know, one of the high points. The, the, thing, the thing for me, and again, this is, this is one of those things where I personally look at these games where, like you said, sometimes if they would just, if they would take the time and use some of the most obvious stuff, it wouldn't look so terrible. You know what I'm saying? Like like what you just said, playing as a combiner. If you're developing this title, that's one of those things you're going to look at and go, hey, man, when you were a kid, what's something you wanted to do when you played tra- with your Transformers? Eh, man, I wanted to always play as this guy, or I always wanted to do X, or I always wanted to do Y. I think that one of the things that's lacking with with titles like this is that nobody's sitting there and applying that logic like it's like yeah everybody wants to play as grimlock or everybody wants to play as optimus prime but yeah that's the easy outs but you're going to want to play as a combiner you're going to want to play as you know starscream and 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 skywarp and all those guys you're going to want to do that you're going to want to play a sound wave why wouldn't you well hopefully you know maybe the game will do well enough that they make another one and get it right who knows I'd like to see that. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where we we can look past the shortcomings to some extent. Like I said with WWE 2K15 last year, it's it's one of those things where I said to myself, you know, I'm going to let a lot of little nuances slide because it was its first. It, it was the game's debut on next gen hardware. So they were still learning the ins and outs, still working through the bugs. And I figured I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. This year, I'm going to be looking at that game a lot more closely for that for that exact reason, you know. Yeah, I hear you. Which, by the way, comes out in October. October 27th. That's right. Hopefully, hopefully, 2K will be will be kind enough to, uh, you know, <laughs> get it right this year. Well, you know, let us let us get some hands on time. Was where I was leaning. I know you gotta keep it PC. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. Now, um, what else is on your radar for this month? Oh, like I said, I mean, like I said, it depends on who plays what. I mean, 
we got next week alone. We got this guy of five coming out for the the strategy fans, Dragon Age, Elite Dangerous on Xbox One. Right. This is all just next week. Uh, ride for the motorcycle fans. Rock Band Four comes out next week. Uh, you mentioned Super Meat Boy that that hits PS4 and Vita on October sixth. As the Transformers uh, Devastation, right, right. Um, a week from well, a week from twenty minutes from now, you mentioned earlier the Uncharted collection. The Nathan Drake collection is available for physical or digital download on Friday, October ninth. Dude, let me let me let me stop you right there. And and again, you you know how I feel about double dipping, triple dipping, the the typical bullshit. But man, dude, does that game look ridiculous? Like that game was beautiful on the on the on the PS3, but holy shit, man! Like, yeah, if it, I didn't have it for PS3, I, I'd definitely be getting it next week. Well, you know what the funny thing was? I I and again, this isn't me going out to buy it, but I said to myself, you know, if I was bored one day, I'd play through that game again. Because it was that good, the story was that tight, and it was that enjoyable. That I'm now I'm not saying I'm gonna run out to buy it, but if it if it was at a at a substantially reduced price, you know, at a certain key point in November, then then it may need to be acquired, but not not for the price it is now. But for those that have never played the series, you're doing yourselves a disservice by not sitting down and playing this game. Period. I can definitely agree with that. Because it's 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 insane, man. And I and the video footage, I'm like, wow. Like they showed side by side and you're like, this is you you can appreciate the work that went into it. Now the, again, my, my thoughts and where I stand on on double and triple dipping has, you know, you can find numerous shows where Slick and I have discussed that stuff at length. But I got to acknowledge that it, it was a beautiful-looking game. My only my only annoyance with Sony is that they should have done something like that with the God of War series instead of just giving people three. And, well, the day's not over. No, but, but, but I just feel that you kind of drop three out there instead of leveraging one and two and releasing a box set. I guarantee you, if you would have released a box set with those three games, hell, even the ones for the Vita, if you wanted to remaster those and created a nice full God of War collection, much like they did for Master Chief uh, on the Xbox side, people would have picked that up because it's one thing that people that picked up the Master Chief collection said to me, and it was just the fact that seeing the games get rebuilt from the ground up and just look just just as mind-blowing and beautiful as they did when they debuted on their original consoles was reason enough. And if Master Chief is a guy that's automatically coming to mind when you ask people about Xbox, I'd like to think that Kratos is a guy that comes up when you talk about PlayStation. Well, definitely. But that's why I say the day's not over, because the PS3, they released... A collection that had God of War one and two, right? And they separately released a collection that had the the, the PSP games. That's right, remastered for the PS3. So 
they're releasing God of War 3 remastered separately now, and they're probably going to release a four-game bundle or possibly a five-game bundle that has all of the games probably next year or the year after. I, You know what? I, I, I'd honestly give it a shot and pick it up again at a substantially reduced cost um, just because that's, that's another game that you, you get your hands on and you're just like, if it looks beautiful, it's it's a selling point. Everybody everybody gets blown away. I mean, even now, looking at Arkham Knight and and looking at the work that went into that game and just how 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 grand it is in scope, it just shows that once you get the hardware and you leverage it correctly, you're gonna create something beautiful. You know, and Arkham Knight is just an amazing looking game. Whether you love the series or not. You can't you can't ignore the fact that it is just a a a visually appealing and just awesome looking game. Absolutely. I'd honestly I'd honestly wouldn't mind a uh, a remastered set of uh, GTA titles either. If they could remaster Grand Theft Auto. Even if they just did the three series, right? The three is really five games because there's Grand Theft Auto Three, the Grand Theft Auto Vice City, the Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories, right? And the Grand Theft Auto Liberty City Stories, and then the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, right? If even if they didn't do four, and the Ballad of Gay Tony, and I forgot what the other one was called, it would be nuts. Yeah, I think I can see them not redoing four just because four also has its online component, which I believe is still up, and it's a lot different from five's online component. But if they could redo the three series with the graphics, the 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 um, PS4, Xbox One, and PC level graphics, of you know that 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 are on GTA Five, I put sixty bucks down for that. Yeah, I honestly, I honestly would um, pay that money only because, again, when looking at remasters, it's the same thing as when we talk about Blu-rays and and you know certain key films. If it's done right and it's and it and it serves a purpose and it does the medium justice, it's harder for me to shit on it than just a glorified cash grab like. Hey, we're going to release all the Devil May Cry games, but we're not going to improve them at all. They're just going to look the same. It's like you're joking, right? <laughs> like like if if Capcom turned around tomorrow and said, "We're going to remaster and re-release with full online capability the Street Fighter Alpha series," I'd I'd be right outside the store with the money in my hand. Because it's been long enough and it's a title that Many people just don't discuss unless, obviously, we're talking about announcements for the new game. But people would pick it up. Same thing with, with if they did a remastered, you know, Marvel versus Capcom 1, 2, and 3. And that was actually one of the things I wanted to talk about. Shoot. Capcom's a big offender, like, of not listening to what their fans tell them that they want. But it's it's recently been proven that, you know, as we always say, 
money talks, bullshit rides the bus. The um the the article you sent me earlier about um Deus Ex yep. Mankind Divided with that bullshit pre orders uh setup that they had, Square Enix had to drop that because fans basically said no. Yep. We're not going for this bullshit. I agree. Well, well, you and I always say that if gamers stand together and speak with their wallets, the the um the companies will listen, and it's it just was proven to be true because they had to to totally scrap that project and say if you pre-order the game or you get the day one, you get all the stuff that we previously were had in this stupid. Um, tiered pre-orders, whatever that they had set up, you'll get all of it. Right. And the reason why I, I start with that is because one, I'm you know I'm proud of the gamer that that happened, that that we made something like that happen, but we still, in general, are not you know standing together to make things happen because there was another article that I saw. I forgot where I saw it from, but basically GameStop was saying that disc-based games will never go away. Oh, yes, I saw that. I did see that article. It was posted in a group that that I'm in, and a lot of people were saying, you know, disc games that are going the way of a dinosaur just accept it. And I'm saying to myself... A lot of people in that group, just because, because I will always, you know, you know me, I will always present my own opinion. If you don't like it, that's fine, but this is my own opinion. I'm like, you're telling me right now that you like being ripped off. And, you know, I'll always give an explanation for what I mean. Okay. If, let's let's take, let's see. Okay, let's take the Uncharted Collection. All right. The Uncharted Collection is fifty nine ninety nine. Right. Now, if I go to Best Buy next week and buy it in the store, you know, I get an inbox, get, I don't know if it's one or two discs, depending upon how they have it, have it set up. I'll get whatever printed materials in there. Obviously, I'll get a box. Um, and if there's any codes or anything, that'll be in there as well. Right. Now, let's say you also get it on the next Friday, but you get it digitally. You get the same thing. You literally have nothing to show for it. Yep, nothing tangible. You just have the game downloaded to your, your hard drive, and you pay the same amount of money. I've always now, said that I, that's I a chip. I try to explain to people, yeah, it is a chip. It, it I've always said to people, and... It's like if you're getting the same thing that I'm getting and you're literally getting less in a sense that you should be paying less money. I, I it's agree. Like I tried to use a, a, like a, an everyday example. I said, if you walk into Wendy's and say, I have a crispy chicken sandwich, and they say, we're sorry, we're out of chicken right now. Would you like, would you like a Baconator? If you buy that, they made a sale, and you basically bought something you don't want. 
Well, I un- I understand. But if if you if you say no, because I asked you for a crispy chicken, and everybody else that wanted the crispy chicken says no, they got to carry more chicken. Right. See, so if everybody says no, I don't want your, your digital download because you're charging me the same as the people who got a disc. Guess what? You can't push digital download because nobody's buying it, and you're gonna have to start printing discs again. So digital download is only replacing discs because marketing's doing a real damn good job of making you, you know, pay extra money for something that you're not getting, and you're eating it up. Well, there's there's a couple of things I want to I want to address with that, and it's it's some some view it as the right way, some view it as the wrong way. I view it as my way, and you know my way is not necessarily right, but it makes sense. Here here's here's how I look at it. When it comes to movies, movies are a prime example. Love my movies. You've been to my home. You know how vast my collection is before I got rid of all the DVDs. And the fact is that owning the tangible discs for me personally was a, just a good conversation piece. B there was still a return on investment and C some movies that haven't even been released on Blu-ray yet. I still own on DVD. And the reason I say this is because you're throwing all your money at Sony or you're throwing all your money at Microsoft or you're throwing your money at Nintendo. And all of a sudden any of those companies goes belly up. Excuse me. Not that it would, but it could, you know, could. And think about all the money that you just spent on digital titles that if they decide, Hey, we're shutting down Xbox live. Guess where all those games go in the fucking garbage. On top of the fact that you can't even get a return on your investment because you don't own physical copies. Now, I understand you don't want to have a bookshelf full of games or a bookshelf full of movies or whatever the case may be. And I understand that. And that is where the argument comes in that, oh, you could just watch it on whatever service you want or play it wherever you are. And that's great. But here's here's where you can compromise. People that buy the disc-based version should have a code to get a downloadable version, which will be locked to your console. That way, digital distribution is still out there, and tangible tangible copies still sell. Now, what would happen is, once if you sell the physical version of the game so that the company doesn't lose money, as soon as that game is loaded on a new system... It, 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 it essentially nullifies your digital download. So, for instance, if you have GTA 5 and you're like, hey, I don't need the disc anymore, and you sell it, then as soon as that person, whoever buys it or whatever retailer takes it from you, should automatically either load the game or scan a barcode or whatever the case may be, and your digital copy of that game gets deleted, and that's it. And there's a healthy compromise there. I mean, even now, if you buy a Blu-ray, and you know this, from experience, what do you get? The Blu-ray, the DVD, and the digital. Am I right? Right. Why? Why can't this? Why can't you apply a similar logic to games at that point? I think it's a happy compromise because those of us that want to own physical shit will. And if you want to stay digital, that's great. 
but just know that once you part with the game, then your digital copy should be it should be a wrap for that. You know, unless you buy it exclusively digital on your console, and that's of course its own its own issue. You know, right? What do you think? And I, I definitely can agree with what you're saying, and it's just that it, it all comes back to money in the in the grand scheme. Like I said, if if the people who want to get digital copies if it's a full price game, they got ten bucks off, or if it's a budget game, they got five bucks off. Right. Because they're not getting the manual, they're not getting the box, they're not getting this, they're not getting any art, they're not getting shit other than the game. And you're not paying gas I, to I ship it. Leave. And you're not paying gas to ship it either. Because think about it, you're not sending inventory anywhere. Exactly. I'm like, take take a a, a big selling title, you know, Grand Theft Auto Five, The Witcher Three, Call of Duty. If you if you sold if you sold all those copies digitally, think about how much money you saved in you know not pressing discs, right? Not not you know making cases, not printing any any art or instruction manuals. I mean, I, I, I get it. That shit costs money. But when you are not spending that money and making the end user spend the same amount of money to get the product. You are effectively ripping them off. You are. And, and that's and that's one of those things where, to go back to bring it full circle with what you said, if we don't speak up about it and we don't, we don't become a vehicle for change, these are things that are going to continue to happen. It's like I said earlier when, oh, we're going to give you this game, but you get no campaign. You just get multiplayer out of the gate. Okay, that's great. But... Don't don't book it. Don't build a game like Star Wars as just a multiplayer only game because the Star Wars mythology is so deep and so vast that you could probably carve out a single player campaign and get a little more value out of it. You know, especially now that you have, gee, I don't know, this little thing called Marvel Comics under your your <laughs> your, your same umbrella. Very good. That, Oh, what, what do they do? They write stories. They even write Star Wars stories. The <laughs> hell you say? <laughs> well, look at that's one thing that I say that Marvel and even Disney are doing right with their Infinity series. It's like, hey, Disney Infinity three came out. You can still use all the figures, but you're being capped because if you want the new ones, then you got to buy the new game. Like, there's their compromises. And some of the compromises actually make the the proverbial uh, st- sticking your hand in my pocket a little bit more acceptable, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you suddenly want to dip into the, the you know, the fact that, that Disney owns Star Wars, you should have to pay some more money because as a company... You know, I don't want to just get the sales off the, the Star Wars figures. I mean, I released this game how many years ago? And I'm, I'm upgrading it so that you, you can, you know, have Luke Skywalker pair up with Maleficent. Yep. Yeah, I believe that you should pay some extra money, not necessarily $60, unless you're getting that whole new, um, you know, the... The new interface. What do you call it? The, the scanner, yeah. Right. Well, the same thing applies with games like Skylanders. See, Skylanders did a very, very smart thing. And what Skylanders did with every game is they evolved it just enough to where you can still use some of your old stuff, 
but you kind of want to buy the new stuff because there's something new you want to play with. Either, you know, the combined powers or in this case, you know, using the vehicles. There's there's more of a of an incentive to part with the money because at that point you look at it and you go, damn, I'd like to use the vehicles. Or even in the case now where on the Nintendo consoles you can use Donkey Kong or Bowser. It's like, damn, you know, that's kind of right. cool. I'd want to do that. And you see there's there's an incentive. It's not huge, but it's just enough to make you say, yeah, hey, I'll make the upgrade. You know what I mean? Just enough. And it's like, <laughs> I'm laughing because I kind of feel bad for everybody that's going to go crazy in the middle of October. Um, with Guitar Hill, how they're saying that there's no way that the old controller could be used with the new console. I'm like, really? Because uh, I got a, 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 a DS, you know, DualShock 3 in my right hand. I got a DualShock 4 in my left hand. And in terms of controller buttons and sticks, there's no difference whatsoever. I mean, the DS4 doesn't have a start button or a select button. It's got options and share. But all the other buttons and sticks are exactly the same. They're in the same fucking placement even. Well, see, so, uh, I'll, I'll if be... I had Rock Band... Go ahead. Good. No, no, go ahead. You can finish. If I had Guitar Hero or Rock Band for the PlayStation 3, why wouldn't the controller work on the PlayStation 4? Well, And the answer is... Money money well i mean not to be i'm not i'm not trying to be a dick when it comes to this but let's be fucking realistic your old guitar hero shit is exactly that old guitar hero shit your old rock band shit is old rock band shit it's old instruments it's old plastic i can understand if it was rocksmith where you're using i don't know a real fucking guitar but you're using a fucking rubber ukulele and pretending it's a guitar. Shut up. Cut the shit. It's a brand new game. I- I'm being serious. Like, I listen, Rock Band and these companies, they're trying to accommodate people and say, hey, you know, we're going to try and make it that you can use your old shit. Because, you know, maybe you're like a, you're a hoarder and you have the shit in the back of a closet somewhere. But dude, how long has it been since the last rock band game came? The last rock band game came out. Honestly, are you are you kidding me? And you see all these people, they're all up. Oh, this is bullshit, man. I gotta go and buy a new guitar. Yeah, motherfucker. It's like eight years later. Fuck you, mean. You know, it's like it's like, hey, I have a VHS tape. Why doesn't my PlayStation Four play VHS tapes? Because your shit's old. Buy a fucking VCR. That's or or oh get your shit converted. I just I just don't understand the logistics in that where people they they automatically they get angry at companies like Guitar Hero and Rock. You know, companies that are putting out Guitar Hero and Rock Band when they should stop for a second and think, "Damn, I got some old shit here." Like I'm seeing dudes, yo man, I gotta go on eBay and buy a microphone, a Rock Band microphone, really. Why don't you just buy the new shit and be done with it? 
Oh, because I could use the old shit. Those will be the guys that are going to play the game later on and be pissed off because, yo, man, why is it that I can't, you know, jam out the same way as people that got the new game? Because your shit is old. (laughs) Cut the shit. Hey, why can't my PlayStation 4 play HD DVDs? Because that shit is old. You know? Like that's wow, that's the thing that's the thing that gets me. I like like listen. I can understand money. I can understand companies wanting to get paid. But as someone who who runs some semblance of an organization, <laughs> um there's certain things that as I've been, you know, as time has passed, I've had to become aware of. Like people complaining about banner ads. Yo man, I got to turn on my ad blocker. There's banner ads on the site. And how the fuck do you want them to keep the lights on you know what i mean like you don't become aware of some of that stuff until a you either start running your own shit or b you start just being more self-aware like with rock band and guitar hero if you want to try and use your old stuff great but don't get mad because the company's going to put out new and improved stuff yeah you want to save a couple of bucks and buy an old mic because it works have at it whoop de doo but don't make that like a negative for a game that's brand new on brand new hardware stupid hey i, I want wanna... my take radio to be on on tv i wanted to be on nbc and rich be like we gotta take commercial break and the crowd like oh it's like shut up exactly it's free tv and we gotta pay the fucking bills <laughs> well look dude hey hey i want to play the new, uh, the downloadable version of Streets of Rage on my Xbox 360. Why the fuck can't Microsoft let me use my U-Force controller? God. But, but this, but but listen to that. Listen to that logically. Why can't I use this? Why can't Nintendo let me use my Rob the Robot peripheral and my Power Glove? Because it's made by the same company. Because yo, shit's old. Maybe because your controller predates freaking USB ports. But this is what I'm saying. Like, I was watching a couple of guys. They were playing on a Retro N5, which, for those of you that don't know, is a system that you can pick up on Amazon that allows you to play, uh, you know, NES, Super NES, Genesis, Mega Drive, Super Famicom, you know, all the usual old shit. And... For as great as it is being able to play the games and putting and running a system to HDMI, their controllers are garbage. Complete shit. Everybody I know that has one goes, man, I had to go online and buy a Super Nintendo remote or buy a, a, a an NES remote or buy a six-button Genesis controller, you know, the gold standard of controllers during our childhood. And, um, you know, they said it. They're like, hey, it's, it's cool that I can play all this stuff on this pretty new hardware. But I need the old shit. And I can understand that. It's like what Danny just said. Danny said, you know, I I need, I only sing. So I need a mic. It's like if she chooses to go and find an old mic and it still works and it allows her to enjoy the experience, that's great. But if for whatever reason they said, hey, you can't use your old stuff, then she'd probably just go out and buy a new mic because she wants to play the game. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'd be angry about what we were talking about with DLC more so 
than having to buy new instruments for I don't know a new game on a new on a new console. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Am I nuts? No, not at all. Well, I did I did want to put out something very interesting. Nintendo announced that they're going to be bringing back more of their quote unquote rare amiibos, including Little Max, Fox, uh, Shulk, um, and a couple of other characters, Lucario. So they are, you know, everybody that was running around getting all that money for for their amiibos, we knew it was going to happen. You, whatever you're hoarding, you better get rid of because they're all going to be restocked. Yeah, because it prints money. Why wouldn't we sell more? <laughs> exactly. You know, like that's that. And the other thing, it's it's funny. Like Super Mario Maker. Everybody's like, hey, you know, Super Mario Maker, it's amazing, blah, blah, blah. It's so fun. It is true. Very enjoyable game. But you're basically playing the creative level game from Excite Bike with Mario. <laughs> I'm trying to be an yeah, asshole. You're basically, like, um, <laughs> you're basically beta testing the next freaking either, either 3DS Mario game or you know, low-budget Wii U Mario game for Nintendo for them. Yep. So, hmm, I'm just guessing it's somewhere in, in the language there. There's something that says, you know, Nintendo reserves the right. If you choose to submit a level online, Nintendo reserves the right to reuse that level however they see fit. Shit, I wouldn't even be shocked if they did that. Hey, man, that's a badass level. Yoink, thanks. <laughs> The craziest thing, and this started long before the Maker came out. This is when they had, like, and they, they did it because people were making these, these bootleg PC um, programs where you could make your own Mario level. They make these things called, um, I think it's called Automatic Mario. It's like basically the level is set up so that something shoots Mario, like, off a platform at the beginning. Right. And if you don't touch anything, he'll go through the whole thing without you having to play at all. And it's just insane, the things that they set up, because it's like there's no humanly way possible that anybody could play through that shit. Well, when I, when I saw Mario Maker, I all I said to myself is, hey, it's Super Mario Big Planet. That's what true. That's that's what I saw. I'm like, hey, this was done before. I don't know, Little Big Planet. You know, it's again, man. It, it's it, I've played. I it. never paid enough attention to the to the Little Big Planet levels, like on YouTube. But I saw again. This is before the the legitimate game. I saw somebody make a level for like it's basically a Mario Maker type program. Yep. But they made four of them play at once. And it's they were hitting, you know, all the items and everything, making the noises that Mario makes. Right. And the four levels um, played side by side played out the Queen track. Don't stop me now. I was like, this is amazing. Let me let, let me tell you something. I played Little Big Planet in the early days a lot. It was a very therapeutic and very weird game. And there were times where, hey, play this level that for some reason, as you jump, every aspect of it is 
the first level, the first um, the court the courtyard from like Flash Gordon. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is the greatest shit I've ever seen. And and that's what happens. Like the level of creativity, and I know a lot of guys. I mean, Patrick Scott Patterson, uh, PSP, you know, a gaming personality that I'm sure many people know, has uploaded a ton of levels to Super Mario Maker. And some of them you look at and you're just like, wow, who comes? Like, where is your brain to come up with this at 2 a.m.? You know, and and there's a level of creativity there that people, you know, I clown the game and I have a few laughs at the game's expense, but Games like Super Mario Maker, Little Big Planet, those are the games that are instrumental in creating the developers of tomorrow. Those are the, you know, those are the those are the games that Minecraft, those are the ones that light that first creative spark for for a young kid who who has aspirations of creating games or you know, just changing the way we enjoy gaming. So you know, I have a lot of laughs and I and I clown it and I, you know, bullshit a lot about it. But in the grand scheme of things, I think it's it's pretty cool seeing young kids create some really, really amazing stuff. It, it's like this, and I want to give this disclaimer before I make this very, very inappropriate statement. My Tech Radio in no way endorses or... <laughs> suggest that anyone use any kind of mind-altering substances, but this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Don't stop me now. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's pretty much that's pretty much the difference. Yep, pretty much. Well, you know, it. the thing that gets me with, with, with games like Mario Maker is the fact that you look at them and you go, why is this out now? You know what I mean? Like, not to say that it shouldn't have been out before, but it's just something that you would say, you would think would be almost a no-brainer at this point. Like, here's the thing. You look at the ma- at the tablet on the Wii U, like, you at this, at this stage in the game, a, a, a new and improved Mario Paint is a no-brainer on that console. You know? But they kind of have one already. Like it's kind of built into the console, right? But it's not. It's it's not Mario. You know what I mean? Like it's not the name that it's sells not Mario it. Paint, but if you you just turn on your Wii U and look at like some of the stuff that comes up in your feed, and you're like, "Who made this?" And they made it with their freaking tablet and their, their little stylus. Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I've seen playing a couple of multiplayer levels of Splatoon. Some really, really impressive Splatoon graffiti. I've also seen my fair share of people drawing dicks <laughs> on the walls. <laughs> because of why course. not? Because why not at this why point? Not? Because why not? Like, but I, why is Nintendo editing this shit? But but this is the stuff that happens. It's it's inevitable. Everything will be it will be bastardized. But um you know, I, I have no problem with Mario Maker and it's and it's definitely killing it, man. They sold a shit ton of copies. You know, they were um a million copies were sold in less than a month and over seventy five million courses have been played already, which is insane. Well again, it's it's simple logic. You say why is this game out now? Because too many people were getting were getting 
free publicity for themselves and zero <laughs> for Nintendo yep. making fucking Don't Stop Me Now levels. The reason why this game is out is because, one, before it came out, people had to have a little bit of programming knowledge to make those levels. And now they just have to have, you know, a, a random imagination and a, a Wii U. Right. And because... Like we said, it's probably somewhere in there that if you upload these things through your Wii U to the Nintendo servers, they reserve the right to use that shit any way they want it. Because there are, there are like, um, there are rankings. Right. Like the, 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 um, the game itself has a leaderboard on one of the, the greatest levels of shit. Right. I've seen that. I, um, I did want to mention this, and this will kind of help us close things out. Did you know, and this was crazy, that they ended up now renaming the Best Buy Theater in Times Square to the PlayStation Theater? I did not know that. I yeah. didn't even know it was called the Best Buy Theater. Well, originally it was the uh, the Nokia Theater in Times Square, and then Best Buy took it over, and now it's you know just a brand new venue for them to show off PlayStation products. And it's funny because when Microsoft launched the Xbox One, they they had a launch event at that theater when it was named the Best Buy Theater. It's pretty funny though that now Microsoft has its own theater in Los Angeles, and they took over that Nokia theater in uh, in 2015. So you know, in early 2015, the the thing is now it's like each each publisher has their own theater. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna show you all our shit at this theater that we own. I'm just mad because that theater used to be a movie theater that was like the biggest movie screen in the freaking world. Yeah, well, now it's like and like what Danny said, it's still it's still a Viacom building, but it's just it's just funny to me that you look at all the branding and stuff that they put out on Twitter and it's like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's the PlayStation Theater." I'm like, "Well, shit. When's Nintendo going to get in on the action and make the Nintendo Theater?" Yeah, because they need something bigger than the, the Nintendo World Store. Yeah, but that Nintendo World Store gets a ton of foot traffic, man. Like Christmas, no, from November on, it, it, you just might as well say to yourself, "I'm only going there on a Tuesday afternoon at twelve noon." And even then, it's packed. And this is true. Well, that's they'll the, never go there for a launch or something. Hell no. You're freaking, yeah, I've, you know, you, you know did me, one I've launch, right? You yeah, did one Angelo. launch. I've done more than one. Well, at the Nintendo the store? The only thing that, yeah, the only thing that's good about it is that they, they hire, they hire a ton of police and it, it's not that there's any real danger or anything. It's just that they, the, the cops keep things moving very smoothly. Okay. Ooh. It's like, there'll be a line around freaking Rockefeller Center and like Nintendo will give instructions to the cops and the cops will follow it and it just moves so smoothly. It's like the type of line you never ever want to see but it moves, once it starts moving it just, it flows. That's the only thing that's good about it. Well, that's good to know. And they, they, they tell you straight up it doesn't matter how far back you are, they tell you straight up we got enough for you. Well, that's a plus, at least. Definitely a positive. I, can, I remember I can take when, that. The, when the Wii was still big, and I, I got one for my goddaughter. 
I was there at freaking 12 in the morning because I was getting, um, I think it was the launch of the first Super Mario Galaxy. All right, right, and right. I was there at 12 in the morning, and they were like, you know, we got plenty of copies. You know, we'll, we'll just put this on your wrist. You're guaranteed a copy. And uh, when I got there, I was like, you know what? I'm here. You got a you got a Wii for sale? I was like, yep, give me the Wii. Nice, very cool. Oh yeah, I figured I'd use that to uh to close things out. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, just some unfortunate news that freaking um, Ubisoft is continuing to shit on us with the whole Assassin's Creed thing. They're putting microtransactions in the single player campaign. Ugh. I'm like, why? I had heard about it, but I'm glad you you actually got some got some concrete evidence about it because it, it is disheartening to hear that. But at this point, at this rate, man, I just I would you know I love the Assassin's Creed games. I'm gonna get them. I play through them, and if I gotta if I gotta lose out on some stuff because I don't want to pay the money for microtransactions, fuck it. You know that's just that's just me. It's it is unfortunate and it really is frustrating. But for me, it's like I just want to play through the story. You know, talk with a British accent, punch people in the face, you know, happy stuff. Stabbed in the throat. Yep, happy stuff. Anything else, my friend? Well, hopefully, hopefully it just, it's not something that they try to make the necessary. norm. Yeah, I agree. We'll see what happens. All good? Uh, yeah, man, I'm good for now. All right, brother, I appreciate it. Thank you for the assist. All right, I'll talk to you later. Peace. That was our very own Slick. Of course, make sure to check out his content on RageWorks.net. Also, follow him on Twitter at RWSlick. That's going to wrap up the gaming segment for this week. We're going to switch gears and jump into the entertainment segment. Uh, lots to discuss. Lots of Marvel stuff going on. Want to get into that. And, of course, uh, try and keep things within our, our our shortened threshold, trying to avoid the longer shows as much as possible. But there's lots on deck this week. Let's get to it and not waste any more time. So let's go. So I want to get the ball rolling with the brand new trend, which seems to be happening more and more frequent, which is taking big screen blockbusters and trying to adapt them for the small screen. We've talked about a couple of series already that have been announced, and a new series is coming out based on the Clint Eastwood film In the Line of Fire. According to what Deadline has been reporting, it looks like Sony Pictures is working on a script, which is going to follow... um, the disgraced Secret Service agent along with a female partner who is trying to clear his name when the president's life falls in the... Well, let me rephrase that. When the president gets assassinated by a rogue CIA hitman. Of course, this comes off the news that, like I said, we're going to be seeing a Taken TV series as well. And also we're going to see one for Shooter with Mark Wahlberg. Again, I, I really... I understand that it's very easy to take something that's already established and turn it into a series 
And to some extent, I can see that working, but I also feel that they're dipping a little too deep into the well. Like, I'll be honest, if they did, just as an example, a Born Identity series, maybe on on cable, I think you can get a couple of seasons out of it because there's an engaging storyline, a character that's that that has really, really great mythology in terms of just the books that have been put out. So you can do something with that. But doing a series based on one film that Clint Eastwood put out, you can only go but so far. It's different if you did... I remember when I was growing up, they used to have Friday the 13th, the series, which wasn't even based on Hockey Mask Jason, but utilized the Friday the 13th moniker, and it was about a group of people trying to recover cursed artifacts. Uh, Very enjoyable show. The name obviously got people confused as soon as they tuned in, expecting to see uh, Hack and Slash Crystal Lake Mayhem, but it was a surprisingly solid series that leveraged the name that was already in front of the public eye. Now, if you look at, and, and this one, you know, just, just going out there, you look at a series, and, and this series in particular, like, let's say The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead has an incredible mythology courtesy of the books and has connected with audiences on a, on a crazy level. And the, the beauty of a series like The Walking Dead is that there's continue, there continues to be ample source material to, to, to build from. Now, if you look at something like, I don't know, Shooter or In the Line of Fire or even Taken, you can only go but so far and tell but so much of the story before it becomes a regular run-of-the-mill procedural. Now, do I think that they could do other movies and adapt them as series and be successful? Sure. But I feel that going that route for for so many different levels of programming is really just going to turn people off from the concept altogether. Like I thought the Hannibal series was tremendously well done and succeeded in creating a new interpretation of what was already considered an iconic character. But even though they did so much great work with the series, it only, they were only able to get three seasons out of it. Now, obviously there was a lot more story that could have been told but ratings and just the overall um, appreciation by the general public just wasn't there to give the series the shot in the arm it needed to survive. I see series like this as what I like to you know look at as low-hanging fruit. It's easy to grab, build some source material, throw it out there, and then hope for the best. And I understand that that's you know that's just the nature of television. But there are times when certain series aren't even given a fair shake and they end up getting cut off before their prime to put series like this up that really have a a limited shelf life, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. We're going to be watching this closely. I am curious about the Shooter series only because they got a pretty good cast there. Ryan Phillippe is tied to that series. But again, I want to see if they can actually go and do a solid series that goes longer than, you know, 25 episodes because it's going to it's going to lose its luster very very quickly. I want to talk about the brand new Ghostbusters reboot with the female Ghostbusters cast. A lot of people have been watching it very very closely because they wanted to see if any of the names from the previous Ghostbusters films would be appearing. Well, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray are both scheduled to have cameos in the film. 
Now, Ernie Hudson is scheduled to have a cameo, as is Sigourney Weaver. Not not specifically known exactly who they're going to play or if they're going to reprise their original roles, but it's very interesting to see the the cast from the original film kind of throw their 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 name in there and get give the film a little shot in the arm. I mean, even the the really stupid over the top twenty one and twenty one Jump Street film with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, even that film had cameos from some of the original twenty one Jump Street cast and. You know, it was it was cool. It was a little wink and a nod. I mean, they did the same thing with the A Team movie when when that was in theaters, and it was you know it, it served its purpose. I, I'm curious to see how how they're going to be able to recapture the magic that the original Ghostbusters films created. I mean, the Ghostbusters films were not only just a big part of pop culture, but they they created a really really awesome cartoon. The Ghostbusters cartoon on Channel 5 was tremendous. A lot of great storytelling. Really, really awesome animation. and Some of the coolest toys I've ever seen. And seeing this brand new interpretation on the cusp of hitting hitting theaters makes me wonder if, even though they're going to reboot it and use this, this, this very, very impressive cast of ladies, they're going to be able to recapture that magic. And I say this because sometimes you look at some of these films that we grew up with and it's not whether they were good or bad or whether they age well or they're not, but they just ended up having something at that exact moment that captured us, whether it's, you know, Johnny Five in Short Circuit or, um, you know, the little robots from Batteries Not Included or so many of those films that we grew up watching that were that they were unique and special and they had just just certain things about it that were able to grab you grab you as soon as you started watching it. I mean, there are a lot of films, you know, those those that I mentioned were were a handful, but there were a lot of films that you watch that even if you heard they were going to reboot them or remake them, I just feel they wouldn't have the same magic that the original material had. A good example is a film I saw about a month ago which was Legend with Tom Cruise, um, of course, Tim Curry was in it, I believe, Mia Sarah. And um, when I watched it, I said to myself, you know, the very old movie that still holds up today. Now, obviously, you could remake it and use all the beautiful people in Hollywood possible to make it work. But I just feel that it wouldn't capture the magic that was a film like Legend. I mean, you look at that film and you're like, wow, there were so many things that were ahead of its time the effects alone were, were over the top. And I think it's something that people, they lose sight of. They, you know, they see, Oh, this movie's going to get rebooted. It's automatically going to suck. Sometimes the movies suck, not because they're reboots, but just because they, they're coming out in a time where the level of magic that could grab you back then just doesn't exist now for whatever reason. And this can, this can apply to everything. I mean, if you look at the Charlie's Angels reboots that they did when they were released at the time, they they were everywhere. You had Charlie's Angels on TV. You had all the songs from the soundtrack on the radio. You had, you know, lightning in a bottle. And then, of course, you did the sequel and you pushed the limits a little bit further. But after that, there was really no interest in in seeing a third installment. And even now, when you're talking about rebooting that series 
for for new audiences it's the same thing there's there's always that very very big chance that you're not going to capture that same magic that made the original source material as good as people felt it could be i mean independence day is a, is another great example it's a film that you can watch and it's good but it doesn't age well and you know that film is getting a sequel and they're probably going to harness a lot of great technology and a lot of great special effects to make it good but I just feel that that's going to be another one of those films that's not going to capture that moment that made you want to watch this film and say, man, this film is fucking awesome. For me, I worked in a movie theater when Independence Day came out, and I watched that movie every time. You know, there'd be five, six, seven showings a day, really long lines. Everybody was like, oh, this movie's amazing. And then I watched it, and I was like, wow, it's pretty fucking cool. And then as I got older and they repeated it constantly, especially on July 4th, I said to myself, you know what? This movie has aged terribly. So with that, we'll see if this brand new Ghostbusters, which even though has, you know, a lot of the key cast members from the previous films showing up, will capture that magic that that the original films did. We shall wait and see. Now, I want to talk about Fast and Furious a little bit for a couple of reasons. Number one, for the next trilogy... According to Vin Diesel, uh, they're currently looking for a new director. Vin Diesel's been been actively courting Rob Cohen. He's even, there's even been rumors that Vin Diesel wants to direct the film himself. But you know what the problem is? You're probably saying, why do we need more Fast and Furious films? Well, Fast and Furious 7 grossed $1.5 billion worldwide. In addition to that, in home video sales alone, Furious 7 has made $52.5 million since its release on Blu-ray, DVD, and Digital HD on September 15th. I'm actually writing a review for the Blu-ray, which I got to post on Rageworks. I know it's a little late, but I got a little sidetracked. But here's the thing. The Fast and Furious series has has continued to reinvent itself at every turn, and when you're cranking out $52.5 million on DVD and Blu-ray sales alone... It's it's a number that you cannot ignore, not to mention the fact that it made one point five billion dollars at the box office. Now, for me, I felt that with the passing of Paul Walker and the way that the film ended, it was a good way to kind of just close out the series, you know, sunset the series and move on to other things. But clearly, Universal, Vin Diesel and the rest of the cast feel that there's enough juice, there's enough gas in the tank to give us three more films. Me personally, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I I don't think, in my opinion, I really don't think that we need three more films. I mean, yeah, you can have a little fun with with um, Jason Statham and and do a little bit of that stuff and with Hobbs and The Rock, but is it really necessary? I honestly don't think it is, especially now when you're trying to find a director and you're trying to crank out three more films. Translation, you're going to get 10 Fast and Furious films when it's all said and done. And if each film keeps breaking records like number seven did, hell, they may not even stop at 10. We'll see what happens with regards to the potential director choices. Like I said, Rob Cohen has been courted by Vin Diesel. Uh, Vin Diesel himself has been rumored to want to try and direct it. But as of right now, Furious 8 has no director, and that film is going to be taking place here in New York. So 
We'll see what happens with that. Of course, as soon as I get some news, I will share it with you guys. In some other sequel news, it looks like we are going to get a brand new set of films from the Men in Black series, and it looks like they are going to be moving forward without Will Smith at the helm. Um, They're looking to reinvent it as a trilogy and move forward with that. I felt that the Men in Black films have an interesting they have an interesting place for me. Uh, I felt that the first film was, you know, a pop culture phenomenon when it came out. It did age terribly. The second film was just over the top ridiculous and definitely did not capture the the proverbial magic of the first film. And the third was definitely the better film by and large. I felt that um, you know, Josh Brolin did a great job capturing Tommy Lee Jones, young Tommy Lee Jones, and the twist at the end and the way that the film progressed was really well done. And again, Men in Black 3 would have been a great way to just close out that series. But again, when it comes to Hollywood, you know, 3 is never enough in their case. We'll see what happens. Let's see if if they can even pull that off and make it remotely entertaining because like I said, the Men in Black films they they were they were decent but they definitely did not age well. On the box office side of things, this weekend, Hotel Transylvania was number one at the box office, uh, beating out the intern for the number two slot. Uh, The Maze Runner Scorch Trials came in at number three, earning an additional $14 million. Thus far, it is at $51.7 million. Everest came in at number four. Black Mass came in at number five. The Visit came in at number six. The Perfect Guy came in at number seven. War Room was number eight. The Green Inferno was number nine, and Sicario was number ten. It's really, it's really disheartening to see um, Sicario so low. I know that it's been, it's supposed to get a, a wider release, but I've heard nothing but good things about the film. I definitely want to check it out. Um, I intend, you know, fingers crossed, uh, weather permitting, here in New York City, to get out and try and and see the Green Inferno uh, from Eli Roth. Hopefully this weekend, maybe review it and throw it up on RageWorks.net. Um, I've heard I've heard good things about the Green Inferno. I've heard it's it's very scary. It was filmed in a, in a very very unique style, and I like Eli Roth stuff. It's it's a little it's a little a little cliched sometimes, but it's worth checking out. So hopefully, if I can get to the theater this weekend, you guys can get a review of the Green Inferno. Switching gears on the small screen side of things, it looks like Jack Ryan is not going to get another big screen adventure, but instead will be taking his talents to the small screen as Deadline reports that Amazon is interested in creating a series based on the iconic Tom Clancy character. Again, there's no casting as of yet, but uh, the, the Jack Ryan series for me definitely screamed TV series. I mean, the movies were good. And it, they had they have their place, but I do think that you know the Jack Ryan series definitely is something that's tailor made for television. I mean, it's definitely a series that, if done right, can be very very successful. There's a lot of Tom Clancy fans out there, a lot of Jack Ryan fans, and putting it on Amazon definitely is a step in the right direction. Once I get some casting news, I will definitely let you guys know what the deal is there. Uh, three other news items I wanted to touch on before we wrap up for the week. Uh, first up, there there's a lot of rumors and speculation floating around about 
uh, Zack Snyder meeting with HBO for a potential Watchmen TV series. And while I am excited at the premise, I do feel that something like that needs to be handled very, very carefully. The Watchmen books, um, especially the, the original book, are, are just amazing. And the Watchmen film was out of this world. I know our very own Slick can attest to that. We both saw it um, in IMAX at the time. And even if you watch the film now, it's still one of the grittiest comic book adaptations I've seen in recent memory that really did a good job in bringing the book to life. I definitely want to put that V for Vendetta and Sin City in, in my top three when it comes to just gritty, dark comic book films. Obviously, from Marvel and DC standpoint, they have obviously their own their own great films under their belt. But when you look at films like V for Vendetta, Watchmen, um, even even The Kingsman, you can use The Kingsman, which came out recently. You can see that there is an, a market for really good films based on independent uh, comic books and graphic novels. I think that Watchmen definitely set the tone. Obviously, the first thing people are going to say something about is, you know, it's an R-rated film. And it could have been more successful had it not been R-rated. And to those people, I say, you're fucking stupid. Because anything less than an R rating for Watchmen would have really ruined the film. You had to capture a lot of what made the book great. And in order to do that, the R rating was necessary. This goes back to what I've said about characters like Wolverine, the Punisher, even Daredevil to an extent. That if you can't engage these characters in the medium that's tailor-made for them you know daredevil is a gritty urban violent superhero and films wouldn't do that justice that's why the netflix series has done so well because you're able to tell really really dark gritty stories without having to concern yourself with oh you know is is this kid not going to want to buy a daredevil toy same thing can be said for wolverine wolverine is a character that is an incredibly violent, over-the-top psychopath. And while Hugh Jackman has done a great job as Wolverine, you lose a lot of the savagery that has made Wolverine such an iconic character over the years. Now, do I think that an R-rated Wolverine film would fare better at the box office? That all depends. Writing, obviously, is a big factor. But it's a character that really does not work in a watered-down environment. That's why I got to give credit to Fox for pulling the trigger on Daredevil. I mean, on Daredevil, excuse me, on Deadpool and going with the with the R-rated uh, version of the character because the only way that Daredevil, Daredevil, the Deadpool works is in an R-rated environment. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the film is going to be awesome, but at least that's not something that can be viewed as a crutch should the film fail. Oh, you know, if they would have gone R-rated... It probably would have been better. Not necessarily the case. But we'll see what happens. I am intrigued at the possibility of a Watchmen series. So I will definitely be watching this with much interest. I did want to switch gears a little bit and talk about some Blu-ray news. Um, The top selling Blu-rays for the the month of September were Pitch Perfect 2, Furious 7, Cinderella, Mad Max, uh, Pitch Perfect 2. The Flash, the first season, Arrow, the third season, Star Wars episodes uh, 
four, four, five, and six. And of course, the Fast and Furious collection one through seven and home. Um, couple of things I do have to say with regards to that. Uh, definitely solid films from top to bottom. I'm not shocked that Furious seven was there. Pitch Perfect, of course, has its, its, its very, very, uh, passionate niche. So I knew it was going to be there. But the, the thing that gets me is when you look at the Blu-ray, the 3D Blu-rays that have sold, Insurgent was number one, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3D is still selling in the number two slot, followed by Mad Max, Coraline, and Home. I actually picked up the regular edition of Mad Max. I was going to buy the 3D version. I just felt that the, the $30 price tag was a bit excessive. Um, I'm going to keep an eye out, see if it drops for Black Friday, because I definitely would love to pick that up and enjoy it in 3D. Of course, today, now October 2nd, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron is in store, so you may want to pick that up. Um, I believe Best Buy is offering a Steelbook version, which for the $20 price tag, I know a lot of people are going to pick up. I may probably pick up, I was debating picking up the 3D version of the film, but seeing it in the theater in 3D, it wasn't... Um, it doesn't it doesn't really need to be in 3d but we'll see what happens i i believe that the 3d version and the regular 2d version are the same price so i may pick one up i know that slick just told me that there are two different steel books one with ultron and one with vision so if you are a steel book collector i recommend you get to your local retailer bright and early in this case best buy to get those steel books before they sell out much like the guardians of the galaxy one did Last bit of Blu-ray news to wrap things up involves a very, very highly anticipated Disney Blu-ray, which is going to be released in Diamond Edition format, and that is the Blu-ray release of Aladdin, which will be hitting stores October 13th. Aside from the complete 1080p DTS HD remaster, it's going to have 7.1 surround sound audio, obviously English, Spanish, and French subtitles, plus you're getting a ton of special features including all the songs from the original DVD, all the deleted songs. You're going to be able to check those out, and you're going to see some of the other Easter eggs that are hidden throughout the film. And, of course, there's probably going to be a lot of stuff relating to Robin Williams' genie. So if you are a Disney Blu-ray collector and you're looking for something to pick up, then I definitely cannot stress picking up Aladdin because I've heard that the transfer is amazing. Um, A lot of people were hoping for a 3D version of the film, which I'm sure may happen. But in any case, Disney is very, very strict when it comes to their diamond releases. Usually they come out for a very limited amount of time. And once they're gone, they're gone for a couple of years before they get re-released. So if you are a fan of Aladdin and you are a Disney Blu-ray or DVD collector, I cannot stress enough to definitely make it a point to pick up Aladdin on October 13th. All right, so with that, that is going to wrap up the entertainment segment for this week, and it's also going to wrap up the show. So I've given you my take on gaming and entertainment for this episode of My Take Radio. I'd love to hear your take. Feel free to reach out on social media. You can find us on Twitter at My Take Radio or at Rage underscore Works. You can also become a fan of the Rage Works fan page and get all the RageWorks and My Take Radio content you can handle, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. You can also find RageWorks boards on Pinterest. You can find us on Google Plus, both My Take Radio and RageWorks 
have pages on Google Plus if you're a user. If you're into Instagram, we do have a page there. Well, it's it's my page, but it's also in, in essence the show's page as well. And that is RageWorks underscore Rich on Instagram. So if you want to do that, you can find us there. If you want to get archived versions of tonight's show, for audio versions, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video versions will be available on our two YouTube channels, Official, RageWorks, and My Take Radio TV. You can also look for RageWorks on Daily Motion and see episodes of My Take Radio as well. Live episodes of the show, as always, air every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, except for this coming Wednesday, October 7th, which we will not have a show due to an event that we are working, and also there will not be a show on October 15th. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, feel free to reach out mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. And if you want to have My Take Radio in your pocket at all times, you can pick up the official My Take Radio app available for Android, iOS, and Windows devices. For iOS, of course, you're heading to iTunes. For Android, you're heading to the Amazon Android Marketplace. And for Windows, you are heading to the Microsoft Windows Store for either Windows 8, Windows 10, or Windows mobile devices. The app is $1.99. You get access to high-quality audio for the show, plus access to some of our other shows before the general public, including MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic, The Minority Film Report, and countless other shows as well, and mobile wallpapers. On behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the My Take Radio and RageWorks family, I will see you guys next week. Peace. Everything, everything, that's all, folks.